This is Annie Filipova, and in this episode, we explored the future of careers, the risks and learnings Annie has from her own experience. We also touched upon what might the future of banking look like. What do you think? Will we have branches in the future? Let's dig in and find that out. Hello and welcome to the Human Works podcast and this is your host Anish Lalchandani. The future of work is uniquely human. On this show I take you on a journey to explore different perspectives to learn, grow and thrive. I'm delighted to welcome Annie Filipova to the Human Works podcast. Welcome to the show Annie. Hi Anish, uh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited to have this chat with you. Wonderful. So as we start, can you share with our listeners what's been your career journey like and what do you do now? Okay. Well, my career is quite long. I've been in banking for 25 years. How I end up with banking? I don't know. I never planned it. It just happened. When I was when I was young, I also always wanted to travel. And and when I finished university, I said, well, I'm going to apply for all the international companies in my country because I want to go into international company where I would be able to travel. Unfortunately, international companies didn't take people who just graduated. So all of them said no. And uh, I had to work and I started looking job ads. And the first one uh, that I came about was for a bank. I went to three interviews and there you are, I started and I started in the operations department of a bank, a local bank. But then after that, I moved to the first international bank, then to Central and Eastern European Bank, Raiffeisen Bank. Then I went to City, and everything basically started and I achieved my dream. I've traveled to more than 80 countries. I've lived in Bulgaria, Romania, UK, Singapore and Hong Kong and now in Greece. So, as I said, banking is hardcore my career till last year. Last year, I decided that I want to do something different. And I left my corporate career and started what we call or they call a portfolio career, which means I have different jobs, which some of them bring revenue, some of them are don't bring revenue. And that's what I do. This is my profile so far. So far. Wonderful. I Means 25 years in banking. I think if I'm not wrong, six countries you have stayed. And you said you worked in different banks, local banks first, then international, then city. So that seems like a very interesting and successful career. Yeah. This is what they say. For me, it's, it's just a career. Yes. I mean, it was... I enjoyed what I did. I loved going to all these places I visited. I loved travel with the bank. I loved living in all these different places. So, so I enjoyed every step of the way. Wonderful. Wonderful. And then you mentioned around your current f- focus around a portfolio career. So what made you make that shift? What was the trigger? Yeah. Well, I think the trigger was time. 
in one word, I can say the trigger is time, but let me tell you how everything happened. So uh, there was several things that uh, were going in parallel. So the first thing was that I had my kids just before we moved to Asia and I was planning to have a one year off work, even to stop work for some time, just to, to be a mother. But that didn't happen because I got offered to go to Singapore. So I said, well, I, there is no way I want to go to Singapore. Singapore was one of my, I mean, dream place I wanted to live. And ever since I said, okay, I am going to one day, I'm going to not work and have more time for my kids. And the time passed by and this one day never happened and there is no one day in the calendar in the calendar is like first second third tomorrow yesterday Sunday etc but not one day so when my kids became on their eight or nine birthday I said oh my goodness they're already nine years old what, what, what am I doing I mean I have a, such a short window of opportunity to still uh, stop work and be with them. So I said, I have to do it now. And this is this was one push factor. Another one was in 2019 when, when the riot started in Hong Kong, even the year before that, we were thinking about uh, scenario B and we were thinking if something happens, where are we going to go? And uh, with my husband, we were thinking about this and we were thinking we're going to be priced out of the property market because we live abroad. We always rent. We sold our properties because it's so difficult to manage a property from in Europe, from Asia. So we said, uh, what is our plan B? And we we started thinking, OK, if, if something happens, we go back to Europe. This is our home. I'm Bulgarian. He is British. And we visited several countries just to see which one is the one that we like and where we can buy a good property, value for money, right? We've worked for so many years, very hard. We've saved, we had some investments and it was good opportunity to buy a property. And this is how we bought a, a house in Greece. And once the house was bought, it was, the idea was, okay, we're going to have it, uh, to rent it. And it's just additional income. But after that, I started thinking, okay, well, I've been in this job now for five years. There is, the job was so interesting and so dynamic and so exciting that I was thinking, I don't have, I don't have in mind any other job. And I was keep looking and I was thinking, maybe it's the time when I should, I should do something different. And in the same time, around this year, maybe 2017, I started on another kind of another thinking process. So I was thinking, I have in my network people in the banking and finance and probably legal here and there. So I was thinking, I'm in this cocoon and bubble of financial professionals who have one view about the world. Wow, there's so many other people outside there, right? I mean, even the bank that I used to work with, Citibank, it's a great global bank, but there are 320, 30,000 people globally. And we have 
8 billion people in this world and we have so many other industries out there and I just don't know anything about it. So I intentionally started reaching out and connecting with people outside of my industry. So I made I made one of my goals to to develop my network in industries where I know nothing about. And one of the good steps I did, I became a mentor in a Hong Kong network, which is called Female Entrepreneurs Worldwide. And I became one of their ambassadors and I started going to events and seeing women who have created very interesting, amazing companies. And they were all over Asia in absolutely different industries. So I started getting some ideas and I was thinking, oh my, I can try this and I can try that. I started a, a line of jewelries that I was doing. So I did some side stuff, right? So these three things go together, right? The fact that we have a house, the fact that the kids, I'm running out of time to be with them. They're going to be teenagers very soon. So at one point at their 10th birthday in 2020, I said, well, that's it. It's now or never because I can't lose more time. You know, I can't because time never comes back. Time is one of these commodities which you can't trade, you can't reverse, you can't just store and use later. You can't do anything with it. You just have to know where to invest it because that's it. The investment goes and the return is some enjoyment of something or not. Right. So, so that, that was this combination of factors, which really drove my decision. And when COVID struck, then that was another kind of consideration. And I was thinking, there you are, I can work from home. I, I can reach out to anyone and I can be okay. So that's how everything happened that's how the decision was done and i have done this without a preparation of what exactly i'm going to do in the future i had some idea but i didn't have okay i'm going to leave and this is what i'm going to do first and this is the second and third etc so so when i left bank my my work i did i was able to do it because i had as i said a financial cushion which is so important. And sure. I say to everybody who is in, no matter what part of their career, it is so important that don't spend for things that appreciate, spend on things that appreciate, right? And create these this funds that one day can give you the ability to take a decision on your terms without thinking that much, right? So, and that was that one such moment. We had the calculation, we knew how much we have. We had a house, right? You have the house, that's it. You go and live there, everything will be fine. And and I made the step. And the interesting thing is that that once you have the financial stability, when, when, once you have this worry out of the way, everything else is really a noise. 
and it's just some worry that you shouldn't worry actually because it's all about the ego and what all about oh when i leave who i'm going to be i'll be nobody right i was a ceo and now I, who i'm going to be uh, annie filippo right but then i did a lot of thinking and a lot of scenarios and because i left when i was okay with the fact that i might I might leave and I might actually not succeed. And once I accepted the idea that, okay, fine. So I don't succeed. So what, right? I'll just take another step. I'll go back to the business or apply for some other job if I'm so useless in any other area. So once I knew that I was comfortable with that, it was, it was the time to make the step. Wow. That was my very long roundabout answer. <laughs> you, you're courageous to make the decision, but when I listen to your thought process, it brings out a number of points which are very valuable, I would say. Means one, definitely you talked about finances to make that shift, which gives you a cushion. Yeah, of yeah. experimenting with number of things which you started even earlier, as you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also about really taking that risk because time doesn't come back. You cannot reverse time, as you say. And I really love the way you said it, that it is where you're investing your time. What are the struggles did you face in this period as you transitioned into your portfolio career? What did I struggle with? It's, it's not a, it's not a struggle, but let me tell you, when I was planning my exit, I spoke with John Wood, who is the founder of Room to Read, who left, he was a guest on my podcast also. He left Microsoft to go and found this non-for-profit organization for children to read. And he told me that that when you leave your career, it will be, you just, you just stop and start, it just open your eyes and your ears and start listening and noticing things that you've never, ever seen or heard before, because you were so, so focused on your career, on the things that you have to do every day, etc. And he said, you, there might be, there might have been many opportunities in front of you, but you didn't even notice that they are. So he told me, you should do this. Just take your time, if you can, and I could, thank God. Take your time and see what is the what are the top three things you want to do, and then make a plan around them. That was one. So I knew that I want to, based on that, I said, okay, I just, I want to teach, I want to be in education, do something related to teaching. I said, I want to be able to help young students, graduates, and professionals succeed in their career in life, so to say, right? Because I have already been on this journey. I've made mistakes. I can share them. I've made successes. I can share them. The other thing I wanted to see is because I've never been entrepreneur, never been in a startup, I said, I would like to learn about this and 
the best way because best way quick way to do that is invest in a startup and be part of the whole process so that was the second thing i wanted to do and then uh, the third thing which was very clear in my mind is that i want to start some kind of a podcast where i share experience so in parallel when i was like not relaxing because we were in greece and our house the renovation finished so i had to do the house right so it was a very hard work for three to four months it was really a lot because you chase completely different stakeholders <laughs> who normally don't come on time they're always late etc right a very harsh difference to what i have experienced in my career generally <laughs> yeah but one other thing i knew that i have to I have to become much better in using social media and social network. And then I found a mentor and a coach to, to tell me all the secrets about LinkedIn and how I get connected with people, how I stay in touch, how I look for opportunities, etc. I started looking on LinkedIn for such trainings so to say I didn't find trainings but I came across Eric Sim and uh, I saw that he has very similar background and he has more than two million followers and said okay that's the person this is the person he knows how to do that so I have to learn from people that know how to do that and that's how I reached out to him and this is how he started so uh, that's what how it started and uh, and Initially, in terms of education, I first went back to my own country and the university which I graduated and universities in Bulgaria. And I said, do you want to have somebody who can give the students a bit of a practical teaching about very topical subjects like digitization, leadership, how to work in crisis, situation etc and this is how the teaching started and from one to another I was a guest lecturer in several universities and on the investment I connected again with um, an influencer on LinkedIn it was just a, a meeting and we were talking and he said you know what I'm going to introduce you to a company and he introduced me to the company where I invested wow. <laughs> and he introduced me. I had no intentions whatsoever to invest. And then the discussion came about and I said, yeah, I'm interested in this. I invested to become board member. So uh, it's very interesting. It's very interesting journey. This is how two of these things happen. And then I have clients who reach out to me on LinkedIn for coaching. Mm. And I speak to different conferences i go to webinars this is all coming from linkedin wonderful some people might be thinking as we started that you've taken a break but uh, this is more than one job i never intended to take a break i never yeah. and if people ask me that are you retiring and I said, no what is this retiring it's all fashioned now we can work till i don't know as I mean, long as we want that, that's where i think it kind of goes isn't it now as life expectancy is going up, people are talking about hundred year life. Yeah. <laughs> and is it the old way of 
working for a few years, then retiring, or maybe it is very different as you have taken a different path, yeah. which mm-hmm. will definitely give ideas and inspiration to many people to kind of think of different paths to take as they go along. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wonderful. And you talked about your support system and in terms of mentors and coaches, and also earlier, I think you talked about building your network. So can you share a bit more around if people are looking at moving into a portfolio career, what is the advice you will give them around building that support system or what are the skills maybe you can also highlight to them you think are important in that space? Well, for the mentors and coaches, it's very easy. You, if you want to do something, you go and look for people who've done it and are successful. And you go after them and say, can you teach me? Can you coach me? Do you offer such services? Can we work together? That's basically it. There is no other way to describe it, right? I spent a lot of hours looking for people who actually can inspire me with whatever they write on LinkedIn that shows that they know and people who have done the same thing I've done, I wanted to do. So you always have to find a mentor or a coach who has done it and he is successful or she are successful. That's it. Because there are many people who say they're coaches and this and that, but you have to see that their evidence, they've succeeded, right? Otherwise, in terms of reaching out, well, reaching out, you have to, it's again, research. You have to see, okay, I want to be in education, what should I look for? I want to be in the top, I want to be connected with the top 10 universities, let's say, in Europe. Then I go to the university page in LinkedIn and I see who are the people working there. And then I start choosing the topics. I mean, for instance, somebody who is teaching management leadership somewhere where I have a a point of contact and an interest, common interest. So that's how I would approach networking. And a lot of the time, it's absolutely cold networking. And when you start yourself creating content on LinkedIn and you write about things like leadership or how my career was or career advice, etc., people start following you. And this is how you create a network also. So there is no magic wand. It's about searching for people, finding them and asking them nicely, we will have something in common. Would you like to connect? And then with some of these people, you will forge even deeper relationship. And that comes with a daily kind of engaging. So you can't just connect with somebody and stop, right? If you want to build a relationship with that person, you have to engage on their whatever they write, you write comments or you listen to their podcast or you attend their webinars and then you approach them, you start talking. So that that's how it is done. Really have to be open and have a, and have a very good idea who you want to approach and why. That, very, very seldom somebody will say no. So generally people absolutely accept and some of them even go out of their way to help you 
And then the third way is my network. Mm-hmm. When people uh, heard that I'm going to move to Greece, so many said, oh, I'll introduce you to that person and to this person. And I had I had worked with uh, partners in the, the big four accounting companies. They introduced me to all of the, their counterparts here and many such cases. So by the time I came to Greece, although we came in the middle of the pandemic, it was a complete lockdown. We came here, the four of us, we knew nobody. In a matter of a month or two, I managed to connect with many people. So much so that later that year, I organized a two-day seminar with people from the largest companies in Greece. So that's how it happens. I think some great advice there with your experience. And I think you're right. If you research, if you have the right intentions, People respond. It's a matter of having that focus and asking people for advice or support or partnering in different areas. So, so that's quite interesting. And it's fascinating. I think the bit you mentioned around networks and how your network was far more around finance, banking, accounting kind of a area. It was same for me as well. So I used to work in a bank and now when I shifted industry for me, I've started seeing so many things very differently, which were always yeah. there. It was the, <laughs> just the way I was looking at different uh, aspects or understanding different industries. So that yeah. changed. Changing gears a bit around talking about banking, because I'm really curious with your experience and you are in different areas within a bank. So where do you see the future of banking going with so much of technology coming in takes uh, and challenger banks coming in and challenging the very traditional banks. So I'm also curious from a future of work and future of bank aspect to get your views on that. Yeah. Well, banking, it's, um, the whole change started to happen. Why? Because clients always have looked for good service they always have looked for the bank to know them etc but until 2015 or after that there were these digitally native companies who actually were able to use all the type of new technology to create this experience for the clients. And then suddenly the banks had to catch up because you just have to continue. And that was a good thing that happened. So so the bank started changing, started thinking about new products, started thinking about the customer journey end-to-end, how to delight the customer. And the whole process, the thinking process changed. Okay, and that will continue happening because the technology change is unbelievable. The pace is so, so high, so fast. There's so many new technologies coming and all of them can be used to, to make banking frictionless and to make sure that all the clients get and use the services without even thinking about it. So... When I imagine Bank of the Future, I don't know whether you are a fan of the Marvel movies, but uh, Iron Man always had this 
advisor in the last episode, it was Friday. And he said, Friday, what is, what is our position? And then Friday will say, and it's a kind of a all the time, 24 seven available advisor who comes in digital form and says, oh, we are here and this is what we can do. That's what I imagine the banks will be because there will be a finance advisor who is available 24 seven and actually can do no, I mean, you wake up in the morning and you say, okay, what's new? And then the advisor can say, okay, you have that much on this account, that much on that account, you paid this and that. You have to renew this card and you have to renew this invoice. By the way, the dollar is up. For instance, that's the right time to change, uh, to exchange or anything you can imagine, right? Or it's a good opportunity. Now the interest rates are up. You should actually make a deposit now because we are out of the negative rate. And it will give you all around view of your financials at any point in time. And you don't need to go ask. It will come to you uh, automatically. And that's basically how, how the banks will make life of the consumers frictionless. And not only the consumers, the companies also. And when you think about it, the banks at the moment, people say, are they going to be banks? And of course, they're going to be banks. And the banks have so much data. Imagine a bank has trillions of payments, right? Every every day. And imagine a bank which is in more than 80 countries. Right? The, the sheer amount of data they have. The only problem is they haven't structured it well. But that will happen. And banks can predict. They have so much information. They can predict even the GDP of a country. And once they start having, because everybody is investing in data, data lakes, how to use the information from any source, how to keep the information intact, etc., move it everywhere and make it available to everyone. That will have a, a huge impact because that combined with artificial intelligence and it will be, it will be an amazing outcome. I completely, completely believe in that. And don't forget that unlike the digital natives, the banks have a burden. They have these analog systems. So they have an analog system. They have to transform into the future and they have to make money, right? Let's say that, right? They have to make money all the time. That's a big difference. So, so yes, the bank of the future will be your digital assistant who will be available 24 seven. That's quite an interesting way to put it. And yeah, you're right. It doesn't need to be a branch or anything. It's the service people are after. And with AI data, it would be very different. But I think, yeah, people would need that because I think finance, I think still is a core of many yeah. things we do. So I think that would be exactly to see how it evolves. At the same time, I also see the kind of capability and skills which will be required in banks would be different because there okay. are legacy systems, okay. I guess we know about yeah, all yeah. the banks have, so they need to kind of transition. They need to look at how do they use the data, what they already have. So it would be interesting to see how 
the future bankers would be and the skills they would need. Well, it will be soon. Don't worry. The thing is that other questions people ask about bank branches. Well, the thing is, it depends on who is using them. The baby boomers, they just generally like to go to the branches, even my parents' generation. But then all the other generations, my generation, we are both. I can go to the branch, although reluctantly, but I prefer everything to do on my phone. And my kids, they just don't. They are already in the metaverse. My daughter is after me to buy her Roblox. And what is this is a currency she uses in, in that metaverse where she mm-hmm. creates houses and she goes and invests the money and then gets returns. This Roblox is like a US dollar. So, uh, yes, I mean, more and more of the young generations go. Obviously, the banks will change their methods of serving to be serving the client needs. And I think earlier we touched upon your podcast, but I would like to know more about it. What is the focus and how do you started that? Yeah. Well, the podcast is because when I was leaving my corporate career, everybody was asking, oh, how did you have the courage? And I was explaining to everyone, guys, there is no, it's not about the courage, right? It's about preparing having financial cushion and wanting to do something different. And the courage is like, I mean, we have to have courage to do many other things. That's no, no different. And then I said, well, I want to have a podcast. First of all, I love podcasts. And I said, I want to have a podcast where I'm going to interview people that did something similar, change careers, change industries, whatever, or had a long career in one place. I mean, I want to share this with people because I think it's very topical. And that's it. This is how it started. And uh, I found um, an audio editor and I learned from another podcaster, 30 minutes discussion, and I started recording. Now I have a producer. So yeah, it's very exciting, but that's how it started. We will add the link to your podcast on the show notes so that people can go and listen to your podcast. But I think it's been great speaking to you. Any, are there any other areas or work what you're currently doing, which you would like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Well, I think I said absolutely everything. So anyone can follow me on LinkedIn. They can check my personal website and see what are the services I offer. And check me out. If you Google Annie Philip, there'll be things coming up. So anyone who wants to connect, I'm very happy to help. Wonderful. We will add links in our show notes as well. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, Annie. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. See you next time.